Welcome back to Working Out the Inside, the myths, truths, and essential work of psychotherapy. I'm Andrew Nargawala, and um, I welcome you to episode four called In Defense of Divorce. In, in the media, we see very often heartbreaking stories of how families are affected by divorce, uh, especially children, a lot of focus on that. And I would never minimize that. There is no question that when you have as deep and connected a relationship as marriage or family and that has to come to an end, it is uh, extremely painful. There's no question. But I think sometimes we do not look at the harm that is done when there isn't a divorce and perhaps needs to be. Now, as therapists, we don't tell clients to get married. We don't tell them to get divorced. Our job is to present options and to go through those options and to prepare people beforehand if we can, and if not, to deal with the aftermath of what happens. So uh, we're not out there telling people, you know, start this relationship, end this relationship, we're helping them work it through. But I do think that when we completely stigmatize divorce, and it doesn't have to be legal divorce in the sense of, you know, a, a married couple. This can simply be uh, someone in a long-term relationship. Uh, when we simply say that it's destructive, and we say it's destructive particularly to children, I think we have to pay attention also to the very often untalked about pain that uh, people are in, adults and children are in, in unhappy marriages, unhappy families. Um, and there are reasons for this. I mean, embedded into the very language that we talk about marriage is this idea of success and failure. You hear people say, you know, I, I can't abandon my marriage. I can't fail. This has to succeed. This has to work. Uh, or a, the term a broken home. You know, I don't want my children to come from a broken home. As if there are only two possibilities. Either this works perfectly, it's like a Hollywood story, uh, or it's a complete disaster. And there are options. There are other options that very often because of people's pain and anger and the myths they've been told and destructive comments from friends, family, uh, they often don't examine these other possibilities. And it's something I want to talk about today. Uh, we also celebrate longevity in marriage. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's wonderful to celebrate an anniversary of a truly happy couple and a truly happy family. But uh, longevity should not be the overriding concern. It should not be, well, you know, we've stayed together no matter what for all this time and uh, despite all the pain we've caused each other. Working through issues together can strengthen a relationship. There's no doubt about it. No one is talking about abandoning, uh, you know, a, a marriage at the first sign of trouble. We're not talking about that. In fact, we exist as therapists to help people through uh, these kind of issues and to try to work on that relationship. Uh, 
But the images that we give people of a successful marriage from a very early age are so powerful that many times people embrace this myth so strongly that they don't consider uh, the, possi- the, the other things that are happening, not just the possibilities, but the reality of what's happening. So someone can talk to me about you know the, how wonderful it is to be home and how, how great it is. And then five or 10 minutes later in the session, we'll be saying, well, we were throwing things at each other and uh, the kids were woken up and there was a big fight. You know, where these things are happening at the same time, but the, the focus is more on the, the happy myth than on the, the underlying problems. We have to look at both because I do believe that marriage can be a wonderful, wonderful thing, and we're not here to denigrate it. But we have to look at the difference between the marriage and the relationship, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. We definitely understand why people seek out the the connection, the beauty, the joy, the support of marriage and of long-term relationships, obviously not having to be uh, legal marriage itself. But um, one thing I notice a lot is that when we talk about children in, in marriage, very often parents underestimate what their children know about their marriage, know about the pain involved. Many times people say to me, we have problems, but our children know nothing about that. They don't know about the affairs. They don't know about the, the addiction. They don't know about the yelling and screaming. They don't know... And almost invariably, when I meet with the children separately, they will uh, inform me quite quickly about what's going on. Sometimes it's because they find a text message, they find an email, they overhear a conversation. But more likely, it's that they are sponges. They are absorbing what is going on. And they're not dumb. You know, they can tell when they're being lied to. They can tell when people are, on the one hand, saying to them, everything's fine and we're great and there are no problems and you don't have to worry. And the very expression on their face belies that. So we have to give kids a bit more credit for understanding and feeling, even when they don't know all the details. They may not know you know, the exact circumstances that are going on, and they shouldn't. We, You know, it's perfectly appropriate to have boundaries, and it's necessary to have boundaries with your kids that they don't know everything that's going on. But we also have to say that a lot of times um, the, the kids are ahead of the curve in understanding what's happening. And, you know, even today a client said to me, she was so surprised. We remembered that years ago, you know, she told me, I can't talk to my kids about this. What are you, crazy? You know, I'm not going to bring this up. And her son said to her, you know, um, actually, I'm glad you're divorced. Um, I couldn't take the fighting anymore. And she was shocked uh, that he had that perspective. And you wonder, why don't kids say this more during the problems and during the process of divorce? And you know, beforehand, not as this young man said, you know, long after it had happened when he finally felt safe to say it. Well, the number one concern that I've seen of kids when they have the confidentiality and privacy of individual therapy and they're talking about their parents' relationship and if it is looking like it's going to end in divorce, 
is their question is, did I cause it? Was I responsible? Were we responsible as, as the kids? Uh, and, and sometimes to incredible lengths. I had one young lady many years ago who said, well, I'm sure that I caused my parents' divorce because when my sisters were born, my parents didn't divorce, but when I was born, they did. So the level of taking responsibility uh, by kids, uh, you know, before they're reassured that, it, that it's not them and that their parents have their own issues, uh, you know, is, is often quite high. Now, I, I see it the other way, too. Uh, I remember uh, some time ago, uh, a woman brought in her two young sons and said, you know, I think this divorce is really affecting them. We're divorced and, you know, we, we still fight a lot. And the boys privately said to me, each of them said, um, we know our parents have problems. We know that they fight. We know they don't like each other. It's not our business. We love our parents. We have a good relationship with each of them. And, you know, that's, that's just how it is. And, and they were quite young to understand this. And when I told her the gist of what they had said, the, the, the mother said, you know, they're right. Um, actually, her, she realized her concern was, you know, while understandable, was, was not real. These kids were handling it okay. And kids can learn once they're reassured that these, the, they are not the, the cause or the core of the divorce. They can learn to cope and to still have good, healthy relationships with their parents, depending on how much the parents are willing to not fight and take it out through the kids. And that's what often causes the real pain of divorce is that the parents can't let go, or even if there's no children involved, that the the couple continues to fight and to go after each other and blame each other instead of achieving some sort of peace and some sort of uh, way forward. Uh, so again, kids often will hold back their concerns. They'll say, well, I'm not going to tell my parents what I think, Andrew, because I don't want to be the cause of, uh, of this divorce. And so we try to reassure them. We try to, sometimes we'll even bring the parents in to talk to the kids and to try to reassure them. I mean, there's many different ways to do it. Uh, now, why also do people without children stay together in tremendous conflict? Uh, some don't believe they can do better and, and are often told that by family and friends. It's amazing how many times people get bad advice, uh, like, you know, well, that's just, you know, everybody cheats. Uh, that's just how women are. That's just how men are. That's just how, you know, you, and you really can't do better than that. And, you know, really negative, destructive messages rather than saying, look, if you stay together or go apart, that's your business, but you deserve to be treated well no matter who you're with. And this plays into people's low self-esteem when they hear the negative messages. They think, well, you know, maybe it's true. Maybe, you know, it's all my fault and uh, a tremendous amount of guilt 
where people blame themselves and say, well, you know, maybe I'm expecting too much and, you know, maybe no marriages really are happy, which is another myth, certainly not true. There can also, there certainly can be financial concerns. There's no doubt about it, uh, that many times people are worried, how will I make it uh, if I do, you know, go out on my own? And that's a very real concern and something that I think before people get married or get into a long-term relationship, whether they plan to have kids or not, they have to address what are my individual needs so that I come to the relationship as a whole person, not as someone looking to complete oneself. We hear this in movies and, you know, uh, it's a lovely thought, I guess, you know, romantic stereotype, but it's bad in a relationship. Uh, if you're going into a relationship, the feelings are so strong, uh, the commitment so intense, that if you don't have your own strong sense of self and self-esteem, uh, it's easy to get capsized. It's easy to uh, be overwhelmed uh, with the emotions uh, of a marriage. And so one of the first things we say, you know, it's not really about being pro or anti-marriage, pro or anti-divorce. These are not the issues when, when someone calls our practice and they say, you know, I want to save my marriage. We'll say, well, we're not looking to save the marriage. We're looking to heal the relationship. We're looking to see, is there still goodwill left? Is there still... Uh, a common connection, a bond that we can work with. And that we can also say that people have to change. It's amazing that people, you know, do get into relationships and think, you know, we'll just be the same the next 20, 30 years. And, you know, we, we, we don't plan on the idea that we're both going to be different. And if we don't grow together, and if we don't give that person the independence and the proper distance to have his or her own friends and own interests, uh, many times couples, they see that as a negative. You know, why do you need to do uh, that on your own? Why do you have to have that interest? Why do you have to still see your, your friends? You know, we just have our own friends in common. So I'll see couples sometimes and I'll say... Um, well, who are you going to stay with or who is there to support you? And they'll say, well, nobody, because all our friends are friends we have in common. I don't have my own friends, my own support system. I've let it go. I haven't paid any attention to that over these years. And that's certainly uh, a very unhealthy thing. Uh, people need to come into a relationship with some level of independence and self-esteem. I'm not saying perfection, but enough that they feel I'm not trapped. Uh, if I need to do other things, I have that ability. I'm encouraged, in fact, by my partner to make time for myself and also to make time for the relationship. It is amazing how many couples come in, and it used to shock me when, when I started, but 
uh, I just see it too many times. They will come in and say, you know, we have not had a vacation together in 10 years, in 20 years. I'm, I'm talking about not some elaborate, uh, huge honeymoon or trip. I'm talking about just a weekend together, a day trip. And people will bring in lists and say, well, this is all the things we have to do. And you look at the list and you say, you know, well, I don't think you have to do all those things today. I think you could make some time if you really wanted to, to, to get to know each other. And again, you know, because time has passed. You're not the same as you were when you got married 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, and people are amazed, you know, well, why would that matter? Imagine any kind of relationship where you don't commit to spending quality time together. Uh, imagine if you were dating and you said, you know, I like you, you're great. I, I just don't plan on spending any time with you. I mean, people would think it's absurd. It is absurd. But yet, many times, whether it's couples, whether it's parents and kids, I say, how much one-on-one -on -one time do you have together? And they say, you know, understandably, I'm busy. I have this, I have that. But if you want to nurture a relationship, any kind of relationship, it could be a business relationship, you know you have to put the time in. Well, the same is true with marriage and family. Uh so many times people come in and uh, they don't have anything regularly scheduled. They used to have date night when they were dating. Now they don't have any time. And if you don't put it on the calendar in this modern age, if you don't commit to that time that we're going to have together, uh, it's not going to happen. We, we know we have to commit to that. So independence is one part. Another thing is the R word. And I'm not talking about romance now. I'm talking about respect. What is the quality of the person and the interaction you have with them? Aside from, you know, your feelings of love, sexuality, attraction, which are very important, absolutely essential, right? But many times you ask the person, well, you know, who is this person? And why do you think you can grow with them? And, you know, what are their interests? And, you know, people don't have a lot of good answers because they're more focused on, the image and, you know, the externals and also just the understandable passion, you know, getting swept up into something that feels wonderful. And, and it does. And it's very understandable that people, you know, uh, get so involved emotionally that it's hard to step back and to say, you know, what else do we need here? And, um, you know, do you think this is a person you could grow with? You can't know for sure. You can't predict it. But if your values and your goals are very askew and, you know, they are from the start, getting married won't help that. Having kids uh, is not going to help that. The, the myth that if our relationship is struggling, if we just get married, that'll solve things. Or if we have kids, that'll solve our problems. These are horrible stereotypes that doom a lot of relationships. Um, marriage is a symbol. It's, it's like a ring, right? The, marriage, the, the wedding band. It's a wonderful symbol. I, I think it's a beautiful thing. I really do. But we have to look at the living core of what people actually have between each other. The relationship. That is 
the predictor of whether the marriage will work. If the relationship has been put aside, has not been looked at, has not been worked on, has not been considered, it isn't growing, it's static, then the idea that the marriage is really going to be what it's supposed to be uh, is, is uh, you know, a myth. There was a study done some years ago about the effect of the death of a child on couples, the most profound, painful, deep loss you could imagine. And many people said no marriage can survive that. No marriage can survive the loss of a child. But what they found was that the couples who had a strong relationship before that time and had great communication and had shared values did often weather that horrible, horrible event and were able to continue on in the marriage. And the ones that didn't have that strong foundation, quite understandably, didn't last. And I think, you know, it shouldn't take such a terrible tragedy for us to say that the foundation has to be firmer. Uh, and it can't, you know, many times people say, well, we, we did work on that. You know, we did address that. We went to a couple's retreat or we did some work some years ago, but it's a lot like working out. Again, back to the title of our podcast, right? You have to keep working on it. It, it can be the most joyful work. It can be the most connecting work, but you can't stop working at it. You have to say, you know, through the course of our relationship, you know, we have to continue to support and understand and learn about each other and yes, that takes time. And people will say, well, you know, I don't have time for that. You know, I, I have a lot to do and we have things to do. And oftentimes they're afraid. They're afraid that if they look more closely, if they spend more time, uh, that they won't like what they see. And for some people, the only happy time they do have is when they go away. Some couples do make time to go away. And then they have a great time, and then they come back to the day-to-day -day pressures, the tremendous pressures in our culture. And we have to remember, it's very important to say that this culture, American culture now, I know we have some listeners overseas, which I'm really happy about, but American culture is not supportive in general of families, of couples. We don't have national health insurance. Uh, we are workaholics. We don't have the same kind of mandated time off that so many other uh, advanced countries do. So many families do feel very pressured, understandably pressured. I don't blame them at all. But that's part of the dilemma. That's part of what we have to, you know, bake into the cake from the start. We have to say, look, that's a challenge we're going to face. We're going to face a lot of external pressure, money pressure, family pressure, families who want to tell us how to run our marriage and run our family and friends and other people that may be well-meaning. But you have to have that solid core, that connection. And if you have that, then you can work through these issues. And again, not to hesitate to get help. Don't wait till things are overwhelmingly bad. Seek out couples counseling. Seek out help beforehand. Another thing to never give up is your support system during your marriage. In fact, it should be strengthened. 
so that whatever you come in with, um, you you don't get more isolated. And I don't just mean family and friends. Now, I also mean uh, if you're pursuing an education, if you have money of your own, everyone should have his or her own independent bank account, independent funds. It's not a betrayal of your partner to say, you know, I need my own money. I need, you know, something of my own. Both people should have that. Um, you know, and, and if you want to have a joint account too, absolutely. But it's, it's that idea that there always should be a sense of independence. If your partner tries to isolate you from your friends, that is always a danger sign. If they start to tell you, you don't really need those people anymore. We're all we need. It's just the two of us. It's us against the world. You know, it sounds very romantic, but it's very dangerous. Do not let people isolate you. Make sure you continue to develop uh, financially, uh, in terms of education, in terms of friends, in terms of your own family. Uh, because if things go well, it's just going to be a great blessing and a great help. And if things don't go well, you're going to have an exit strategy. And what I mean by in defense of divorce is not to say that that, you know, at the first sign of trouble, just cut and run and uh, don't try to work things out. I mean, we as therapists exist to help people work things out. So I absolutely uh, encourage people to try to work through problems because that does strengthen very much a relationship when you can work through things instead of avoiding them. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, if if you feel you can't get out of any kind of relationship, I mean, imagine having a business relationship and thinking, there's no way I can get out of this. I am tied to this forever. What effect does that have? On your productivity. What if and and the same thing for a relationship. Uh, many years ago, uh, someone came to me and said, uh, "I'm not going to get a divorce. My husband is controlling and abusive. He doesn't hit me, but the emotional abuse is real, and I want someone to help me learn." how to better endure it. And I said, you know, I'm so sorry to hear what you're going through. I would have a different view that we have to examine all possibilities. And I'm not saying divorce is the right thing here. I've just met you, but I want us to look at everything. I want us to look at, you know, your growth and your support system and your possibilities. I just don't want to take anything off the table. And I got a call before the next session saying, you know, well, I'm going to go back to my old therapist. And, you know, I don't know what happened to that person. I don't know what they were able to work out. But I think that if your only goal is to endure and, and not to have some other possibility, then it puts a lot of control in the hands of the other partner. And this can be male or female. It's not limited. I see this uh, certainly more sadly with males uh, than females. There's no doubt. 
But we see it with women, too, where people feel they have the upper hand. And they feel that, you know, you can't get out of this. And they perpetuate that through uh, control and denigrating their partner and isolating the partner. So what I'll say basically is we need to do a better job, all of us, in as we are raising our children, is to say, uh, be prepared as individuals to enter a relationship. Be prepared to have your own lives. Don't expect marriage or any kind of long-term relationship or children to solve those problems. I have had many uh, parents say to me, I live in fear of when my children will leave home. I don't know what I'm going to do when that happens. In the same way that people fear losing a job or losing some part that they've invested all of themselves in and they just have ignored the rest of their life. And I think that's a bad idea in general. Uh, we have to encourage at a young age for people to be independent and then come together. That is the best time to have a relationship. When you have joy and peace and you want to increase that joy and peace with someone else. If we expect the other person to complete us or to make us happy, I know when I was young, I certainly was like that. I thought love conquers all. I'm so miserable, but uh, someone will love me. You know, like the songs that we always hear, you're nobody till somebody loves you. You know, complete lie, but... Uh, you know, we, we are constantly bombarded with these things. And, of course, I had to learn that if I didn't love myself first and I didn't value myself first, no relationship would ever work. No one could uh, do that for me, and no relationship could stand that pressure. So starting from a place of security and confidence and peace and joy is the best time to be involved in a relationship. And then when problems come along, you and your partner can work them through and avoid the pain of divorce, of breaking up. But if it has to be, and you know whether there are children or not, you're just inflicting endless pain on each other. Good people can do that. It's not about some stereotype of bad people. Good people, loving people, can inflict a lot of pain. So I hope that um, this clarifies something about relationships and about marriage and about divorce. I want to thank so much the people who've been encouraging and have given feedback about the podcast. It means so much because I do want to think that uh, using this technology... Uh, just as in our everyday lives, you know, we try to encourage people and and we get great feedback and we listen and we learn from people. I always learn a lot and I'm learning a lot doing this. And I hope that it's a help also to, to the listeners. And again, if you have feedback, if you have topics, if you have suggestions, uh, if you have criticism, whatever you would like to contribute, absolutely. 
And please subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Podbean. It's free. And uh, you can listen to the episodes at, uh, at your leisure. And thank you again for listening to this one. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again.